private investigator Charlie Parker has spent a lifetime fighting for the murdered and the lost. Now it's time to find out why, as he takes on a terrifying series of killings in rural Arkansas. Because it's the first case that cuts the deepest. Witness the birth of a hunter in the Dirty South by John Connolly. Probably the best crime novel you will read this year, say the Irish Times. The Dirty South, introducing Charlie Parker, the new thriller by the multi-million selling author John Connolly. Out now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Welcome to Hiv Player, the podcast from Harrogate International Festivals. Today's guest has bumped off many people in the Yorkshire Dales, but only in print, of course. We're thrilled to welcome the best-selling author, Peter Robinson, as he sits down with host and journalist York Membry to discuss all things DCI Banks, including his new book, Not Dark Yet. Don't forget that you can get the latest books from every single one of our podcast episodes by heading over to our website. So sit back, relax and join us as we bring HIF into your home. Today's episode is kindly supported by Hodder and Stoughton. Hi there, my name's York Membry, I'm a journalist and I've met Peter a number of times over the years and interviewed him. Hi Peter, thanks for agreeing to join us in Canada. All right. Um, how are things across the pond? Oh, they're not so bad. You know, we're, we're still locked down to a large extent. Things are getting a little better. We're yeah. very slow with the vaccines here, though. That's uh, where I, I should be getting it April, May, you know, that late. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, hopefully, anyway, you'll get it by then, if, if no later. And you're obviously in good health, which is, which is something. Yeah, it helps. But I love the new book. I just wondered if you can tell us a bit about the plot uh, of your new book, uh, Not Dark Yet. Well, it's um, the third book in, in, a, in a sort of loose trilogy, in, in that each book has got a, a plot of its own that is set up and, and solved within that book. Yet there's an ongoing story of a woman called Zelda who uh, was abducted at the age of 17 outside an orphanage in, in Moldova and, and sold into sex slavery for years. She's now got free of that and, and is looking for answers and perhaps revenge. So, you know, she comes into the story too. But the other story is about a murdered um, property developer and his factotum. And uh, that leads to the discovery of a cache of, of hidden uh, SD uh, micro disks with, with video on them. And uh, that leads to another possible crime, a rape, which mostly Annie and Jerry are investigating while Banks pays most of his attention to Zelda. So there are, there are two sort of plots going on and it zigzags back and forth. It's some ways probably more of a thriller than, than a whodunit. It's not, you know, it's, it's not really a detective whodunit. And this is the third book to feature Zelda, isn't it? Uh, but yes. I just kind of wondered, I mean, um, how she came about with it as a character and why uh, you wanted to introduce her and uh, why there's this kind of trilogy now? Well, I introduced her in the first place because I, you know, I, I've, I've left a lot of loose ends in books over the years. And there's one book you know, going back some time in which the villain basically got away. And um, Zelda is a super recognizer. Which, which means that she has a, a better memory for faces than, than most people do 
and also for retrieving memories of faces to compare with images that, that she sees in the present. Uh, and, and she comes across, but, you know, Banks and Annie have talked to her because she's living with Annie's father about this person who got away and they, they had a photograph. And uh, she comes across a picture of him with somebody he shouldn't be with in the course of her own work for the National Crime Agency. And uh, it takes off from there. But, you know, it seemed to me that she had such a, a tremendous backstory and had and had such a difficult, varied life and, and had had to, you know, dig in deep for the resources to overcome what she'd been through, that she was too good a character to just sort of leave after one book. So she, she insisted that she carry on. And I just wanted, I mean, um, where uh, you got the inspiration for that character from, um, if someone, something you read perhaps inspired that, whether she really just came from your head. Um. No, it, it, it just came there. I mean, I had I'd written a book, ages, a strange affair, I think it was, that dealt with uh, sex trafficking and that kind of thing. Uh, I'd, I'd never really come across the, the, the super recognizer stuff before, but <clears> it seemed like an interesting skill to have in the context of what I wanted to write. So I, I just really took it from there. I don't want to say too much about the new book for obvious reasons, um, so people can actually read it for themselves and enjoy it. If you just kind of wind back the clock a bit um, to the beginning, I just really wondered, um, can you tell us how the book came about in the first place, the actual Banks series of books, the character yeah. of Anna Banks? Going right back to the beginning. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. And this is number, what, 27, I think. Um, yes, that would be... Well, I'd, I'd got hooked on reading crime fiction in, in the early 80s. And uh, Chandler, Simonon, and then I went on to read Ruth Randall, P.D. James, whatever, I, Agatha Christie, whatever I could get my hands on, really. And uh, I'd read so much in the end, I thought, I'd, I'd like to have a go at this, you know, see if I can do it. Because at that time, I was only writing poetry and had been for years. So I tried and, you know, there were about three or four duds. I mean, you know, I, I wrote them and, and obviously they were good practice. It's like practicing your scales, whatever. But, you know, there were too many wrong notes. It just, they, they didn't work out. And I didn't really even try to get them published. I did one, um, but it, it went nowhere. And then I just had the idea of Banks. And, and, you know, it was really inspired by a lot of books around at that time in which, like Wexford or... Uh, you know, writers like Dorothy Simpson, June Thompson, you, you, you take a part of the country, you dump a inspector and a sidekick, and you have them go at it, you know. <laughs> and for me, that place was going to be Yorkshire, because that's where I grew up. And, and that was the place when I started the series that I was homesick for, because I, I was living in Toronto at the time. So, you know, it, it, it sort of exercised a certain amount of, of, of my nostalgia. Did you ever think about inventing a Canadian cop, perhaps surmounting someone like Big Al Banks, sort of nice hockey playing <laughs> tough guy? Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I actually I did though. Um, the, the, the books came about in an odd way because I wrote the second one first. The Dedicated Man was the one I, I wrote first, and, and while the publishers were making their minds up over that, I wrote Gallows View, which they decided to publish first. Um, but after I, I, I took a year off and, and wrote Gallows View in about six months. And in the other six months, I wrote a private eye novel set in Toronto. And uh, 
Nobody wanted it, you know. They, they wanted banks, but they didn't want my Toronto novel. So I, I kept it lying around. I thought, you know, maybe at some point. Did you turn it into a short story? Because I kind of got yeah. into short stories. And... Yeah, I did. I mean, you know, I, I heard so much about writers turning short stories into novels. I actually did it the other way, turn the novel into a short story. It was, well, a, it was done over seven episodes in the Toronto Star. So it was a sort of longish short story, but yeah. Do you think you might ever publish that uh, as a standalone novel? Or, or I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, you know, if, if, if anybody were that interested in the juvenilia, they'd, they'd be welcome to it. But the, the story is actually in, uh, you know, a collected book of stories, uh, Not Safe After Dark. Indeed. I, I, I wondered I mean, if being in Canada um, makes it harder in a way to write about Yorkshire. I mean, do you have to... Um, we do sit in a room with pictures of Yorkshire, drinking Yorkshire tea to try and connect uh, with Yorkshire, the old country, when you're writing your books? Or... I do drink Yorkshire tea, but whether it helps me connect or not, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's been difficult this past year because I haven't been able to get to Yorkshire. And, and it made me realise how much I was relying on being there for the inspiration. I didn't used to. I mean, I, I visited pretty much every year, at least for two or three weeks. Um, but I was quite happy sitting in my little room in Toronto, you know, inventing Yorkshire in my mind. And that's why a lot of the earlier books uh, do sort of have that sort of rosy glow of, of nostalgia. And, you know, they're not quite the level of realism that you get in the more recent books. But since oh, 2006, they're about... I've had a place in Richmond and, and been sort of splitting my time between Toronto and Yorkshire, spending longer periods there. And I found that that, that has definitely affected the, the way that I write. You know, the Yorkshire I write about is becoming much more realistic. Eastvale is getting more and more like Richmond. Yeah. And whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. It's, mind you, Richmond's getting a lot of money these days. So, you know, there could be a story in that somewhere. <laughs> But just over the last year, when you couldn't travel, did you have to go online to see what's happening in Yorkshire to try and stay in touch with news stories or uh, other events and things? Yeah, I mean, I always do that anyway. I mean, I, I you know, I, I do get a lot of things online. And, and most mornings I, I look through the, I, I've got subscriptions to the Times and the Guardian. So, you know, I, I, I read through those first thing in the morning. Um, the Yorkshire Post? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, well, online, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to, to, to be honest, I was lucky in a way because I was finishing uh, Not Dark Yet when, you know, everything sort of went haywire. Uh, and I finished it and its publication was postponed. It was supposed to be last September, but it was postponed. Um, the problem's been that I have not really been able to get my teeth into a new one yet. I don't, it's, it's, probably partly being away from Yorkshire because I do rely on going for walks there and coming across a place that's suitable for a body. That's how most of my books start. And I really need the walk. And that's one thing I can't do on my computer. Uh, so it, it's been, it's been difficult. Also, I think, you know, the, the, the viruses, the, the, the pandemic has affected different people, different ways. It's, it's sort of diminished my creativity. I feel rather rusty and neglected. And most of the time I just sit and watch TV and read thrillers. 
Which when is not talking, bad. No, indeed. When you're talking about places that you look for, it could be a setting for a murder. Is there a kind of setting that you look for? Has it got to be somewhere a bit dingy or a kind of old canal or something? I just wonder what you look for. What is yeah, those, those are good places. I mean, I have a, a good friend in, in Richmond who knows the, the landscape around uh, Weardale and, and Swaledale really well. Um, we'll go on walks. Just sort of random walks, and you know, there's always something like an abandoned farm or an old canal slip, and you know, um, a, a, a ruined barn, you know, a half demolished dry stone wall. I mean, all those kind of places. And I don't know what it's, I'm not looking for anything specifically when we go out, but I generally find that, you know, obviously deep in my mind, I want something, I know the sort of thing I want. And when I see it, I make that connection. Okay. I just wondered how many uh, murders there have been uh, over the years. I mean, your York is quite a violent place, isn't it? I mean, you've got 27 books and there's probably two or three murders per book. We're talking double figures or, tri or tri triple figures or mm -hmm. uh, roughly? Or... Well, you know, if, 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 if you consider that the, the books usually come out a year apart, yes. um, although a year is not passed in real time always between cases, mm. uh, and yeah, that there may be one or two murders per book. I don't think that is a hell of a lot more than the real average for Yorkshire. Probably a lot less, actually. Really? Um, I mean, you know, while I've been living there at certain mm -hmm. times, there have been some yeah. interesting murders, you know, some very puzzling disappearances yeah. and murders. So, I mean, it, it does happen. It's, it's yeah. you know, we're near enough to Darlington. And then there's Harrogate, of course, and York. Yes, yeah. And... Uh, um, I, mean, I just wonder what the Yorkshire tourism people think of you. Do they like uh, the fact that you made Yorkshire this sort of murder hotspots, <laughs> or, or they rather you went off somewhere, went fishing or something? And uh... they've, they've never said anything, you know. I mean, they've been remarkably silent. So I, I, I gather that perhaps they disapprove. The best novels, crime novels, I think, uh, such as yours or the Scandi Noir books, often feature quite a lot of social commentary. I get the feeling that that yours perhaps uh, feature um, even more than ever. I just I just wondered um, if that's um, perhaps kind of Banks um, commenting about modern Britain or whether it's really reflecting your views. And sometimes you don't seem to be altogether happy with the place that Britain has become over the years. Um, I think it's it's a bit of both, really. I mean, certainly I was born and and, and grew up there and moved away in my late twenties and. I've had a strong connection ever since. So, you know, I, I, I won't say I'm terribly happy with the way the place has been going, especially in the last four or five years. Uh, or the way the world has been going, <laughs> but, and to be quite honest, for the past four or longer than that. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. I, I, you know, I try, I'm, I'm not a very political person. No. I wasn't really political at all until about four or five years ago. Uh, but things creep in and, you know, you can't help but notice attitudes. And I think what, one of the things with, with, with the, um, the new book and also Many Rivers to Cross, the, the one before it, is that Zelda, don't forget, is a foreigner. She's originally from Moldova, which isn't in the EU. She's, she has a French passport. Which is, she's living in Britain pretty much under the radar. And she's worried by this hostile environment. She's worried by, you know, ha having to, to, to fill in resident settlement forms and things like that. So, I mean, she, she would necessarily be someone who would be opposed to Brexit. 
and, and that's very much her point of view. Okay. Uh, you've done 27 Banks novels now, as we're saying. Um, I just wondered if it gets hard to come up with new storylines um, with each passing year, because Banks must have solved pretty much every kind of murder over the last 27, 30, 30 odd years now. It does. A lot of people don't realise that, that, you know, it actually gets harder the longer you do it because you, you've run out of stuff. And if you don't want to repeat yourself, then you've got to be careful. I mean, in, even in the first place, I, I don't believe that crime fiction is, is formulaic, but there is a kind of structure that it fits into and you can tamper with it. You can change it. But, you know, there are a limited number of permutations. It's the same with plots. What are the motives? You know, there, how many plots are there? Seven? You know, and how you combine these things and how you mess around with the structure, there are limits, you know. So I keep, you know, you can't always reinvent the wheel with every book. And, and the nice thing about a series is that you do have the place, the main characters to kind of slip into. And you don't have to invent the entire wheel, you know, just a few spokes. And when I do a standalone, it, it's completely different. You know, it's starting from scratch again. Mm. And uh, um, how, how do you think Banks has changed over the years? And I mean, obviously he's changed as a character as the years have gone by. But does that reflect a conscious um, decision to change Banks in a way? Or do you think Banks has changed a bit as you've, as you've aged yourself? And, and in a way, the writing reflects the changed person that you are? I think he reflects the, the ageing process. Um, Certainly, but but maybe a bit more than me, you know, because I'm married, uh, I have a partner, I have someone to share my life with, Banks doesn't, so that's made him a little bit more isolated, a bit more philosophical, perhaps a bit more melancholy about certain things, yeah. you know, so he's, he's, he's got a bit more miserable over the years, he still does manage to have a good time occasionally, you know, he's not that miserable. Yes. Um, and so, you know, because he knows that there's quite a lot missing from his life, although he doesn't know how to put that right. And he's aware, of course, as, as, as the years creep by or flash by uh, of his own mortality, of, of the fact that he's going to have to retire, all these things. Um, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, just moving on, I wonder if you could tell us about your writing process. I know that some writers... Uh, maybe like uh, Ian Rankin or Lee Child, I think they um, just start writing, don't they, often, and see where it takes them, as other writers like to plan everything out in advance. I just wondered um, how you approach a new book. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> I, m much the same as, as Ian and Lee. I mean, I, I just jump in and start writing, and I need this opening scene. You know, I have to have a strong visual image of an opening scene. And usually it's a body in a place, not always, but usually it is. And I take it from there. And, and then I start to ask myself questions about this person who's been killed. Why? You know, who is it? What walk of life? What could it possibly be about this person's life that drew such a terrible, violent end? And these are the questions Banks is asking around friends, enemies, whatever. Um, so, so that, you know, it, it sort of spreads outwards from there. And usually when it's going well, each day's work brings enough questions that, that lead to another day's work. I write myself into a corner sometimes. It's not a, a method I would recommend for anyone, especially new writers. You can bang your head against a brick wall and, and, and it can be very uh, frustrating. Uh, but when you do get a breakthrough, it's a nice feeling. 
And so do you um, sit down in the morning at 10 a.m. or something and then work, work all day, or do you have a kind of regime? Um, no, yeah, I, I usually get, get to work about, you know, between 9 and 10 and work till about 4 or 5 with a, with a short lunch break. Yeah, you know that's it. I, I'm working. I think fewer hours than I used to do. I used to do easily an eight-hour day. Now I'd probably do more like six. Yeah. And has the uh, way you written it changed since you began back in the late eighties? I mean, did you um, um, start using a typewriter then, or were you already using a word processor back then? I just wondered again um, how that's changed, and if it's influenced the way of writing as well. I started using a word processor, actually, yeah, in, in, in the mid-80s. So it was around the time I, I started writing banks. Just around the same time, though, I'd done my PhD dissertation, and I had to type that. I remember I had to type it again because they, they wanted changes. I couldn't afford a typist, so I had an electric typewriter at first. And, and then, you know, I, when I got to about the second or third novel, I, I was working on an old Sanyo word processor with floppy disks and you know huge memory you know 360k a, a drive or something like that um, so i you know I've, I've been working that way ever since i take a lot of notes by hand you know there's always have a notebook and each novel has its own dedicated notebook that, that i jot things down in so i'm not totally reliant on a computer but i'm quite used to to, to writing electronically now I know some authors like Peter James, they, they work they work quite quite closely with um, policemen, don't they? And they, they check with policemen to make sure everything is 100% correctly, correctly there. I mean, do you have a, a couple of um, coppers who you turn to for advice to make sure everything is 100% kosher? I do, yes. Um, but I, it, it's funny because I've, I've known them for quite a few years and it's great to get together and have dinner and drinks and stuff. But but they're both it's a husband and wife couple that they, they, they've both sort of their careers have blossomed so much over the years that they're sort of almost unreachable now. You know, he's he's a, a magister inspectorate of police for the north, and yeah. she's a actually she she's working as a superintendent, a detective superintendent. But I can still ask them, you know, if, if if I want. But I mean, one of the things you find is that when people do get to those kind of ranks. They've lost. They haven't interviewed a suspect for like 20, 30 years. You know, they they, they don't go out on the streets. You know, and um, and I I have found myself ask, asking less and less lately. Uh, you know, maybe because the, the of the other element in the books, the kind of thriller element with with, with Zelda, um, I, I I've not bothered so much about all the details. But if I do have a question and it's really important to know how something's done then I, I will ask a few different people and yeah. put the answers together. Like the beginning of Bad Boy, like what do the police do when someone reports you yeah. know, the daughter's got a weapon in the house? Yeah. I wanted to get that exact. And yeah. then, of course, my main thing is how can it go wrong? Yeah. And I wondered how much research you do. There's one scene in the new book where uh, Banks go to London, doesn't he, for a meeting there. And they go to a pub called The Rose in Vauxhall. And I was walking by the other day, hoping to see whether they really did actually serve Brixton Ale, of course, unfortunately, the pubs are still shut, so I couldn't actually yeah. check. But, but do you actually check all these things and go to the pub and have a drink and so on, the way you were doing the books? I do when I can, yeah, I do when I can. And, and, and if I can't do that, then the internet is useful, although yes. not always reliable. But yes. I'd, I'd rather go there myself. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get to uh, Moldova 
I was planning to go there and walk around for a few days, but travel was restricted. Indeed. And where did you get the inspiration for most of the characters from? Um, uh, do you uh, draw on people you read about and real life or people you've met? I just wonder where, where they come from. I mean, the kind of cast of characters who feature in every book. I think they just come from that jumble of memories of, of, of people I've met. Um, you know, different aspects of my own life, stories people have told me. You know, there, there's no one way of doing it. I mean, I, I, I used to try and write those character detail things that, that you get and, you know, fill out the form, what school, parents, whatever. But I gave up on it because, you know, it, it just didn't really mean anything. I try to know a character's backstory as much as I can because I think that in a strange way, the more you know about the character but don't tell, the more convincing, the more three-dimensional the character is on the page. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to know more about the character than you actually write in the book. Yeah. What about other uh, names? I know that's, that's one I think induced to meet people, didn't they? Like, like Fagan, obviously, and then use the name in Oliver Twist. I mean, do you um, sometimes hit here a name or something and decide that, that uh, I mean, is it is a good name to use for a character? Or? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, names are difficult. You can spend a lot of time worrying over names. And there have been times when I've changed them. You know, I've done a couple of chapters and this character is definitely not a Basil, you know, and, and, and changed it. How I know that, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Zelda was Zelda from the start. I, I, I did think at one point later she should actually call herself Modesty. Um, but you know it was too late to change it then yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah yeah names are important and uh you know I, I do keep a note and sometimes people ask me you know people send emails through the website and that saying oh my granddad loves your books he'd love to have a character named after him and ask you that's quite useful sometimes yeah. but do you do that do you sometimes or do you actually put someone in uh, who's asked to be in a book or yeah, I mean, if it, if it's a word that works, if it's a name that works, then then it can go in. Um, can you give a character the name York. Sometimes you think, how do you think? I, I, my name. Yeah, that's that's unusual. That's unusual. It's not the most unusual. I I once got a you know at, at some of the crime conventions like Harrogate and Alchicon, yes. uh, people bid for to have their names in a book. Well, well somebody bid to be in one of my books. And, and when she won, it wasn't her name she wanted in it. She wanted her dog in it. And the dog was called Miata, which yeah. is the name of a, of, a, of a little sporty motor car over in Canada in the States. Yeah. Miata. So I thought, how the hell do you get a dog called Miata in a Banks book? So I had to bring in an American character to own this dog called Miata. <laughs> Close, wasn't it? So I, I, I stopped selling names then and, and just said if i like it i'll do it yeah i just wondered about uh, book titles uh, because some some of the titles you come up with uh, uh, i mean uh, things like abattoir blues many rivers to cross uh, just always stay in my mind um but i just wondered again uh, is it hard coming up with book titles and do they change as a book evolves not usually i like to get a title fairly early that's you know that that's one indication to me that I'm on the right track if I've got a title that fits, that I feel comfortable with. Mm. And it's obviously it's the title of the uh, folder into which all the chapter files go. And, and if it, you know, it sounds right, feels right, mm. then, then that's a very positive sign for me. Um, usually I take some titles. I mean, 
there are so many song titles um, just covering just about everything. Uh, that and I know you're put to translate it on the, in, in a lot of languages all around the world, but I just wonder sometimes whether any translations can be awkward sometimes, translations of book titles or... They, they don't translate them liter li literally, no. I mean, they, they, I, I've noticed a couple of times I've said, Swedish or whatever, what does this mean? And it's something completely different right, right. from my title. <laughs> and I'm sure the text is completely different from my yes. text too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he was saying uh, um, that's, um, uh, that you found the, um, uh, the kind of pandemic was a difficult uh, um, time to, to, to navigate creatively. Um, have you got something else on the go at the moment though, or have you got more ideas? Uh? Only in the beginning stages. I mean, I, actually, I, I had no trouble getting ideas and that, that was one of the problems. I flitted from one idea to another. I was, I was gonna write a book based on submarines in the Second World War. I was gonna write an espionage novel. I was going to write a Banks becoming a cold case consultant novel. Um, in the end, I decided I'm, I think I'm just going to write another Banks novel. So I'll, I'll give him one more before he retires. And actually, it's going to be set right after the last one, or very closely after the last one. So it won't go any. It won't go into 2020. So. Okay. So, so you're going to do one more book of you, and then you're going to call it a day, or are you going to carry on? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I mean, I've, I've had this sort of worked out for a while that obviously he, he has to retire from his official position. Um, but there are so many, you know, I've read so many accounts about cold case squads and, and, and missing person squads and high profile squads that will call in consultants. So I'm going to shift into something else in the same place with more or less the same people. Only, you know, he's not going to be detective inspector bounce. He's a detective superintendent. He's going to be a consultant. Um, but that's the only change I, I'm really expecting to make. And I mean, just talking about the TV series a bit, I mean, this year Banks TV show did very well, didn't it? I think they made 30 plus episodes, didn't they, over the course of um, six or six years between 2010 and 16, with um, Stephen Thompson obviously playing Banks. Um, I just wondered, I mean, and also they showed that on TV, ITV last year. I've seen it on TV in Holland uh, with subtitles. It's obviously done very well. It's still being shown, um, but I just wondered um, how how big a role you, you played in adapting your books for the small screen. None at all, really. Um, you know, I, I, I the, you know, they wrote the scripts. Mm. And sometimes they'd send them to me the day before they started filming, and ask what I thought, um, and ignored it. I mean, you know, if if if, if I made a little change, I, I mean, I remember one time I said Banks wouldn't say this. And Stephen Tompkinson agreed, and they changed it. But I think that's about the only change I ever got to make in the scripts. So I, I had really nothing to do with it. I mean, the, you know, the, the production people, the cast were all very good to me. I got to go on set, have nice dinners and everything, watch them work. Yeah. But I really didn't have an, a, any sort of involvement. What did you make of the end results? Um, it's variable. I mean, it's variable. I, I thought it was a pretty decent... Um, detective program actually and, and and i did like you know i thought the actors really grew into the parts it was a terrific cast a really nice ensemble cast but but there were problems you know i mean andrea who played annie took the first series the second series out because she had a baby and she was on maternity leave yes. so they brought caroline katzen who wasn't in the books 
And then they brought Annie back and there were the two of them. And, and things got a bit complicated. And then the last couple of series, I, I kind of lost it because they weren't based on the books, um, which, which is fair enough. But they, they seem to be so far away from, you know, the spirit of any bank story I could ever imagine that, that it, you know, they could have called it anything. Well, to um, uh, the fans of the books, make of the TV series, I mean, um, we've had people coming up to you um, saying they say they didn't see Stephen as other bands or if they, they like the casting. Yeah, a lot of people did, didn't see Stephen as Banks. And, and, you know, I also found that, that most readers who came up to me uh, didn't like, who loved the books, didn't like the TV series. And a lot of people who hadn't read the books loved the TV series. So, because, because I saw, um, I saw um, uh, Anne Cleve speaking in Harrogate um, a couple of years ago, and she, she was saying um, that uh, watching... Brenda Bledin uh, play um, Vera on, 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 in, in a TV show of her books, um, changing the way, the, the way she wrote the character. But obviously for you, that wasn't the case. I mean, you carried on writing your vision of, 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 of Banks. Yeah, I, I worked very hard for that because I, wouldn't work. I, I was writing a, a standalone before The Poison when the series came out. So I took a year off Banks which meant really I hadn't been writing about him for, for maybe two years and I saw the TV series so when I went back to Banks after that I had to sort of get him back you know I, I felt he'd slipped away yes. Stephen was in my mind because I'd seen the TV series so I had to work very hard to, to sort of keep Stephen out of it and to get my Banks back yes so yeah. it probably shows Mm. And uh, did uh, the TV series make you a rich man? I mean, uh, have you got a kind of Porsche and a BMW and a, a Jaguar in the drive and all those, uh, one of those big garages with lots of cars? <laughs> no, I wish it's it's a, it's a Toyota Rav Four, nine <laughs> years old. Um, <laughs> no, it, it it actually doesn't it, it doesn't make you rich. So I, I think I mean I've never had one, but I think the thing that that people have in mind mm. that makes you rich is is uh, is a movie deal, you know, the big Hollywood movie deal. The writer will get quite a lot of money, but in TV, it's not a lot of money. Um, and but you know, it, it keeps coming in. Like whenever they show it, you get a little bit more every year, like royalty checks. So, but yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's uh, it doesn't make a huge difference to your lifestyle, is what I'm saying. And um, are there any plans for another? TV series because I know that there'd be I think two or three different uh, reboot series haven't they on TV based on Ian Rankin's books and so something take it easy couldn't they do a new series I imagine couldn't they and and cast a new actor uh, as Banks I mean are there discussions at all or is anything in the pipeline I've not heard anything I mean you know yeah I, I was I was told when it ended that maybe after about five years or so it would be time to uh, yeah. to look at someone else reboot it rebooting it in a way um but i you know I, I, I probably would need to take a more active role myself i don't think anybody's really pushing it for me and i actually think that the the trilogy would, would make a great uh, sort of netflix miniseries yeah. the zelda trilogy yeah. so that, that that would be a package to, you know to kind of push i've yeah. tried dabbling in screenplays myself but yeah you know without the assurance it's going to be done or without some guidance it, it, you, you feel like you're blowing into the wind, shall we say? Sure.
And just as regards uh, the, the future of, of, of banks, uh, you say that you're going to be doing another book this year. Obviously, you'll be writing a book. And, and I hope. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, once the pandemic's over, you'll get all that kind of kind of you know sort of energy back and be able to. I hope so. <laughs> but um, so you plan to do, do one more book um, in the time frame uh, post uh, the new book? Then do you think you might do other books, looking back at other periods in his life, or going back to maybe a kind of young young banks, a bit like um, a bit like yeah. Uh, that, that's a, a bit of a problem, really, because I, and, I'm, and I don't know the answer to that until I come to do it because of the pandemic. I mean, how do you write about this period or indeed, how do we write about the period yet to come mm. without looking back to it? I mean, a lot of what's happening now is going to stay with us. The world's changed. Mm. So, I, you know, can I keep writing all my books in the past? Certainly, if I do the espionage novel I want to do, that's the Cold War, I can do that. Right, yeah. um, but, but can I always keep going back to Banks' early days? What if I do write something that's set in like 2023? Hmm. You've got to reference what happened, you know, just a couple of years before. And we may even still be wearing masks then, who knows? Go for bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a problem. And, 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 and I do, I, I, I feel very sorry for a lot of writers who are in the middle of something when this all happened, because it all changes. I mean, you know, you, you can't write a novel in the contemporary time that you're writing it last year or this year yeah. um, without changing everything. Indeed. Um, and uh, after 30 odd years as a, as a cop now, obviously, in real life, I guess, bands are probably getting, be getting ready, ready to retire, wouldn't they, I imagine, after 30, oh, yeah. 30 years on the force and to find some nice pubs, serving things ale and do some walking in the Yorkshire Dales. Um, but what is the plan exactly? Have, have you got a kind of plan um, as it goes to the next few years? Uh, well, I mean, he, I, th I think he'd be, he'd like to do a little bit of sitting in the pub drinking Thixtons and going for walks. And he will, of course. But I think he'd get a bit bored if, if that were all he was doing. I mean, he doesn't have a lot mm -hmm. to fill in his time, you know, and he needs to get out. So I, I, I think this idea of having him work as a, a consultant, in the same police station he's been in with the same team, um, you know, for, for special cases or cold cases even, yeah. I think would be an interesting thing. I mean, I've always enjoyed cases that have their roots in the past, like in a dry season, um, piece of my heart. I've always enjoyed doing that and, and doing the research into the, into the recent past. So that would be one way of going. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just weighing up a few possibilities and I'll but be lucky to ever see banks travelling across the Atlantic to solve a murder in Canada or something. Or, or have you thought about um, moving him? Or, or is he? I mean, I mean, or, 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 or do you think he's someone who actually has to stay um, in the area that he's based in and for him to work as a county? I don't think he has to stay. I mean, I wouldn't move him permanently to Canada. But I do have a couple of ideas. If I do one of these um, cold case books. Of, of, of one that would involve him coming to Canada, looking into something, as he did years ago in, in the Hanging Valley. I've, I've done that once before. This would be different. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I could certainly bring him over in the middle of winter. <laughs> and what about uh, the other characters? Um, could do, do you think you, you could do a same kind of thing as Morse and Lewis and perhaps have a spin-off book for, for perhaps some D.I. Annie Cabot? I mean, because she's quite an interesting character, isn't she, in, in her own right? 
Um, we could do. Um, again, you know, that, that could also be a feature of future Banks books. If he's taken a less prominent position, then she's obviously going to be the one who may well be promoted and maybe senior investigating officer in, in these cases that he's consulted on. So that, that would necessarily give Annie a, a bigger role. And, you know, I think I'd promote Jerry too. I think she deserves it. And I guess just lastly, um, are you planning to visit the UK this summer to go to any book festivals? Because it'd be nice to see you obviously at Harrogate or somewhere, as you often come here, don't you, every every couple of years? I, I hope so. Is Harrogate happening this year? I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. So, I mean, that's the thing. I, that everything's just so, so up in the air. We're, we're hoping, you know, we get, get the jabs in April or May. Um, early summer, I think we'll probably be up in cottage country in, in Ontario, which is just waiting really until we can come over i mean we've got the house in richmond it's been empty since november 2019 and luckily we have somebody who drops by every now and then to to make sure it's okay yeah but uh, we want to get there as soon as we can but you know really i think we're looking at realistically we'd be looking at autumn christmas at the latest so yeah i hope to be back sometime this year Great. Well, thanks for your time, Peter. Got some uh, great stuff there, and uh, the book's a great book, and I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it. So, uh, thanks again, Andy, and hopefully, I'll be able to see you uh, at a book festival talking uh, in person. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. It would be great if you could do us a quick favour and head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five star, and then leave a nice glowing review. It'll help boost the podcast up the charts, which makes it easier for more people to find us and join our exciting podcast community.